The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Dry subtle relieved of the puck by Jacob Slavin, and here come the Hurricanes. Reese shot score on the first shift of the game, 28 seconds in, and it's Nito Niederreiter, 1-0 Canes before a stunned Rogers plays faithful. Well, it was a terrible start, and then it got worse as the Edmonton Oilers are beaten soundly tonight by the Carolina Hurricanes, 7-4 is your final and I think another result where the final score flatters the Edmonton Oilers as they were absolutely blown out of the rink in the opening minutes of this game. It was 3-0 for Carolina, 11-02 into the game. The Hurricanes got the first 11 shots of the game. It took the Oilers almost nine and a half minutes to even get a shot on goal. By that time they were already down 2-0. When Carolina went up 3-zip, the shots were 15-3 for Carolina and uh, Edmonton got a goal late in the first period and then Carolina came out scored on their first shot of the second period and then scored another one at 407 so the game was just over 24 minutes old and it was 5-1 for Carolina they would later make it 6-1 late in the second the Oilers briefly flirted with making the game a little bit interesting they got a couple of goals in the third to pull within 6-4 but didn't manage much after that so the Oilers back to 500 on the season 23-23 and 3 on the year they're 500 at home at 12-12 and 1 and remember Ken Hitchcock won his first six home games as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers and they were up to 10-4 and 1 on home ice they're looking that was pretty good home record well now they're back down to 500 at home, also 500 on the road. And so there's where we sit, and three points out of a playoff spot with one more game against Detroit on Tuesday before they go into their bye. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 10:29, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We're live in Studio 99, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, just as you were sliding in, I mean, again, the final score not really indicative of the play. It was 5-1 when the game was 24 minutes old, 6-1 late in the second period. Okay, fine, the Oilers make it interesting, but, I mean, they, they, they were so bad for, mo- for most of the night. And I, I think we, we know that there are flaws in the roster. We, we've talked about that a lot. But, I mean, this first shot goes in. You're giving, you're giving pucks away. It, it takes you almost half a period to even get a shot on goal. And I mentioned the stat. When Carolina went up 3 nothing, the Oilers had three shots on goal. So Carolina had as many shots, had as many goals as the Oilers simply had shots. And, and I mean, just, just a bad night all around. Well, I know that we, we talk a lot about the loss of Oscar Clefbaum and how it's hurt the Oilers and a lot of players that are playing up in the lineup, a Jones, a Benning, a, a Manning, players like that. But if you look in the game tonight, first goal, that's on Leon. Leon left his man in the slot, goes to him. Uh, second goal or one of the other goals in the first period was on Larson. He gets beat one-on-one behind the net and then they come out and they score and that one was a bad one on Talbot. So right there you got Leon, Larson and Talbot, three of your veterans. In the second period when the game got out of hand, first one Darnell Nurse. 
he comes across, goes to the wrong side, takes overloads and leaves his guy wide open. Then the next goal, it's Larson again, leaving a guy go back door. It was his guy. So there's five goals that we just talked about. It had nothing to do with a Benning or, or a Manning or, or a Yamamoto or, or a Pugliarvi or these younger players that you're, you're worried about. These were, five vet, these were veteran players, guys that aren't supposed to make those big mistakes. And it, the Oilers are not only getting outplayed at times where the other team obviously when you're, you're getting outshot 11 nothing you're being outplayed but they're getting outplayed by making big mistakes against uh simple mistakes the three of the goals i remember off the top of my head the others had the right number of men back and they simply made poor choices poor decisions defensively and that's what they got to get out of their game because as carolina threw a seven spot on them tonight Carolina's not a, a world beater. This isn't the Tampa Bay Lightning where you can throw out three all-star lines to beat you. And if you keep playing in your own zone, you keep playing big, making big mistakes, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of the score too often. So Clefbaum will come back after the break, but we're not, don't think that the savior has come because the mistakes are being made by players that are going to still be in the lineup when he gets back. Yeah, 7-4, the Hurricanes win tonight. They got a late empty netter with 2.22 left to, uh, to to put it away, though I mentioned after the Oilers pulled within 6-4, they didn't, they didn't really threaten after that. So, Rob, you talked about the, the defensive end, some of the blown coverages, guys getting open. And then on the offensive end, again, the, the Oilers badly outshot. They had 21 shots tonight, scored four goals, mm-hmm. pretty good percentage, but you only have 21 shots. And I'm, I'm just going to focus. I mean, we know they're getting outshot. Uh, what is it up to now? 17 of the last 19 games. And the average is by about nine shots per game. So they're not getting outshot. Oh, 31-30, whatever. They're, they're getting badly outshot, badly outchanced. And again, I look at this weekend. So you get 21 shots tonight. I, I have no idea if Morazic was locked in. I'm assuming that he wasn't because he only stopped 17 out of 21. Now, David Riddick is having a, a very good season for the Calgary mm-hmm. Flames. But even last night. You only get 24 shots uh, on the Calgary Flames, so y- you're not you're not testing the other team's goalie. You're not getting out there and saying, "Okay, we're going to have flurries where we might have a, a five-minute uh, session where we forecheck and and maybe get six or seven shots and create some rebounds and and fatigue them and and make them work." I I, I mean I feel like you know the, the goalies are getting the wins and making the saves, but I I feel like the Oilers are are an easy night. For opposing goaltenders, because he knows he he's might have to make a couple tough saves from the from the good players, but there's not going to be much else. Well, a couple things. It's if you're only going to score 20 or get 22, 23 shots a game, that's fine. If you're giving up 18, 19, right. you know, if you want to play, if you want to be a very simple, low-scoring team that will check the other team to death and win it 2-1 or 1-0, that's fine. Giving up just getting 21, 22, but. The Oilers are spending too much time in their own zone game after game. And part of it, too, is they just don't have a, the, the depth in their roster. Whatever, whoever's playing with, with Connor, that line's creating offense. And then whoever's playing with either Leon or Nuge, they will throw in a little bit more. But there's the, the third and fourth lines, that they're not getting offensive zone time. They're not putting pucks on net. And to me, if I'm playing on a third or fourth line, and I've done that in my career, shoot from everywhere. Throw pucks on net. And if you do that, if your line mates know, okay, if I get the puck there and there's no wide open guy, I'm just throwing the puck on, on net at the goalie skates. Now my line mates know, drive the net. Get in front. Look for a rebound. Look for a tip. Look for some garbage. Create havoc in front of the net. But the Oilers, when they start getting the cycle going, 
They're trying to stay on the outside. On outside, you cannot win in the National Hockey League being a perimeter team. Simply, the goalies are just too good in the National Hockey League. Uh, the, and on the Edmonton Oilers, uh, a Leon Draisaitl one-timer or a Connor McDavid with speed shot. They're the only two guys that can score from the outside on the Edmonton Oilers. So you've got to start creating more things in front of the net. And to do that, you create havoc. A great example was the, the Cassian goal. Simple play. Get the puck to the point through the puck on net. And you, you created a scoring chance. The Oilers don't do enough of that. And that's one of the problems with their, their shot totals is they just stay on the outside. They stay perimeter. And teams know that. And they just say, all right, we'll just keep the inside clean. And you'll get your one and done. And that's why the Oilers don't get... Uh, a ton of shots is because the first shot is put on net and if there's a rebound there's no oiler there to clean it up 7-4 Carolina wins it tonight McD or, uh, Dreisaitl did score twice for the Oilers he gets his 100th and 101st career goals Brandon Manning got his first goal as a member of the Edmonton Oilers his second of the season and Zach Cassian also scored on a deflection 16 seconds into the third period but uh, not nearly enough Rob this has been an ongoing theme over the past several seasons is how the Oilers generally uh, start games poorly. I mean, especially, I think, the last couple of years. I, I mean, so again, we, we, what, we, we ask what is going on. I mean, we recognize, we recognize where the Oilers are, are roster-wise, the way the team is built. Shirelli's under fire for that, absolutely. But there are... I mean, you've been there. There, there are, you know when the game starts. Schedule comes out in June or July. <laughs> you, you know it's a back-to-back. -back. You've dealt with the challenges of that before. Uh, I mean, how can you possibly be that flat and that out of it? And, and take nothing away from Carolina. They, they were challenged by their coach. They, they're coming off a couple of bad games. Fine, there's two teams out there. But how can you be that far behind out of the gate? Honestly, I, I don't know. It's a home game that the Oilers... Uh, really talked about over the last little while the record they wanted before the all-star break the home games that they needed to take care of uh, it was obviously it was an emotional game they lost last night but there's a great way to res respond from one of those losses come out and, and take it out on the team you're playing against uh, I would not be shocked or surprised that going forward if Hitch throws a thing in there right, first five minutes I don't care who's got the puck you get it to red line dump it in and go hit somebody get the puck in deep uh, be a physical team. Start. He'll start. Maybe start his fourth line and say, "All right, I don't even. I don't care where the puck is on the ice. Go hit someone. Just create momentum in the in the building." Because uh, playing in Edmonton lately and early in games has been very easy for oppositions, and it's hard to find traction when you start behind the eight ball. And that's what happened in a number of these games where the Oilers start slow. It's hard to find traction. And when the other team capitalizes on their chances, I mean, you can have the greatest comeback in the world. You're not coming back from 6-1. You're not coming back from a 3-0 deficit eight minutes into the game. And the Oilers have got to figure, figure it out. And, and also, they need a save. They certainly need a save in there, thrown in every once in a while, a big save. I mean, the third goal, that shouldn't have gone in. And Talbot, you can see by his body language, he knew that that was one that he should have had. But there, right now, there's not one thing that you can say, if the Oilers correct this, they're going to start winning hockey games because there's a number of things that the Oilers need to be better at. All right, 7-4, Carolina wins. Rough night for Adam Larson. Here are his post-game comments for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com.
period, Adam, was, uh, was a pretty tough one. What, what's your sense of what happened to your team's game in that period? Well, they they came out hot. Um, we didn't. And a lot of that is on me. Uh, I'm playing so bad right now, I don't know what it is, but I, I needed to stop as soon as possible. What... Um is there a common theme in some of the struggles that you're having? Like I'm sure you're watching tape. I'm sure you're analyzing your own game. What are you seeing, and what, what are you trying to change? You know what? It's I'm, I feel like I'm working hard. I feel like I'm, but I'm just I'm too passive. Not skating too, not skating. So that's not part of my game. I I know how good I can be, and I'm not even close right now. You've been. I have been around here. Has it been here before for you? Or no. Is as bad as it's been? This is as bad as it's been, and it's as bad as it will be. I'm pretty can guarantee you that. Thanks. All right, that's a very blunt Adam Larson. Clearly disappointed in himself after this game. I'm playing so bad right now, and I need to stop. Too passive, not skating, not even close to how good I can be. And he says this is as bad as it has been and as bad as it will be. And then he said I can guarantee that. I mean, Larson said he had a. I don't. Let's not say this is on him, but he no. had a, he had a tough weekend. Well, he did. He had, and and all players go through it. And, and good on him making an honest assessment of his of himself and his game. Uh, we've seen when Larson is uh, playing well. We see the importance he has to this team. We see what how he can change a complexion of a game with 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 his physicality, with his uh, meanness out there, with his the simplified game. Uh, and again, we, we talk about it all the time. Confidence is huge. If you have no confidence, it's tough to play. And there are a number of players in that dressing room right now who are playing with very little confidence in their game. And then you start hesitating. You start second-guessing. And when you hesitate or second-guess at uh, the National Hockey League level, you're going to get exposed. And a perfect example was the one second-guess hesitation that he made on a, the backdoor goal by Martinuk. I mean, that is something that... 100 times out of 100 times before tonight, Larson would have picked his man up. Not only would he have picked his man up, that guy would have known because he would have been very physical on him. Instead, you see Larson, and that'll be a video that they'll show. Larson is standing, staring the opposite way by himself with nobody to cover. Meanwhile, his man's putting the puck in the net. So uh, Larson is just one of many tonight that did not bring an A or a B game. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the, the good old C word, confidence, and, and everybody knows that's that's a factor. And, and look, I'm not saying if the Oilers were more confident, they're all of a sudden the top five team in the NHL because it doesn't make that much of a difference, but it makes a difference. And that's what was a little scary tonight as is, is this game started and, and dragged on and you see some of the mistakes and plays that are attempted or hesitation. The Oilers didn't look like a team expecting good things to happen or or giving you that feel where if well if we stick with it something will go our way like some of the games when hitch took over when they win one nothing over dallas one nothing over calgary beat la on a late power play goal i mean that that's kind of looks sapped out of the team right now and and that's concerning because you're not going to scratch out points against teams that are playing well that way i mean arizona went in tonight into toronto and uh, and beat Toronto, Arizona, Vancouver. They're ahead of Edmonton right well, now. Well, and this is, and I said upstairs, with you and I off air, Arizona right now is ahead of the, the Oilers in the standings. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes have a star player, Ekman Larson, who's having an off year. 
the Oilers have two superstar players in Leon and Connor who are having career years. So the Oilers got two superstars with career years, Arizona with a star having a bad year, and the Oilers are trailing them in the standings. That shows you the depth, how outplayed the depth is for the Oilers against other teams around the league. Arizona's got seven players out of the lineup, including their starting goaltender. So the the Oilers have a lot of work to do. I think that we, you and I, beginning of the season, both said the Oilers would be a playoff team, but it would be squeaking in to the to the wild card. Now they're still in that running, but what happens when you're a team that we felt would be very close to mid? We'd they'd be right there. When you don't bring an A game, you don't win. Yeah. The Oilers aren't good enough to come in and have a B game and win a hockey game right now. They're just not. They don't get, they're not getting the saves. They're not getting the secondary scoring. And they're making too many big mistakes. So the Oilers have to have their A game each and every night. And Detroit's another example. Detroit's coming in here, and they're near the bottom of the standings. But if the Oilers come in with a, a B effort, come with the same effort they brought through 40 minutes, they're going to tr- struggle against Detroit. There's one game before this long break. And I know f- from experience, when we talk about confidence, if the Oilers don't win that game going into this break, that's 10 days where they get to stew and think about what they've given up, what opportunities they lost, and that will gnaw at them. If they can somehow win the game against Detroit, feel a little bit better about themselves, think about the fact they're getting Clef Bomb back, that will make a much better break and a much better, better peace of mind coming out of the break. So that game against Detroit is pretty important. Other action tonight on the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. I mentioned Arizona wins 4-2 in Toronto. Vancouver, a couple games above 500 now. 3-2 win against Detroit. The Islanders shut out the Ducks 3-0. The Blackhawks ring up the Capitals 8-5. NFL, both conference championship games go to overtime. That's never happened before. Patriots over the Chiefs 37-31. And the Rams get by the Saints 26-23, 26-23, so Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. All right, you can call us at 780-496-0063. We'll be going back into the Oilers dressing room. We'll also get comments from Carolina, courtesy BDO, First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, License Insolvency Trustees. The Oilers not nearly good enough tonight. They lose 7-4 to the Hurricanes, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. All right, final score tonight of Rogers plays Carolina 7, Edmonton 4, all Carolina in the first and second period. And uh, they go to 23-20 and 5 on the season. The Oilers are now 23-23 and three whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game you can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village steak and seafood cooked right at your table Edmonton South downtown north side and Sherwood Park the good old Japanese Village goal light along with Rob Brown I'm Reed Wilkins thanks a lot for tuning in it is 11.05 and it is a Really bad weekend for the Oilers. They are 5-5 five and five in the month of January. And here's what's discouraging too, Rob. They, tonight's a stinker. The game in L.A. was a stinker. And the game in San Jose was pretty bad. I mean, good teams don't have three horrible games in ten. They might have three in a, <laughs> in a year where you're just flat and out of it and dominated. Uh, yeah. 
You're right. And they could have lost Florida. They didn't play that great that game either. No, and even when Hitch first came here and they had their, was it 8-2-1 start, there was a, a number of those games that, I mean, they were getting fantastic goaltending. And I think it masked some of the warts. And then since that run, it has not been a, a great stretch for the Edmonton Oilers under Ken Hitchcock. And the same mistakes are happening that were happening before. The Oilers right now, just they, they just simply make too many big mistakes. And what it's either trying to do something too much, uh, not reading the situation very well, um, turning the puck over in the wrong place, just things that you cannot do. Because uh, the Oilers aren't a good enough team to overcome the big mistake. They're not a good, good enough team to outscore their mistakes. And they uh, honestly have to simplify their game. And certain players have to understand what their roles are and play to that. Because when they get outside of their comfort zone, it hasn't been pretty. 7-4 is the final. We have Gary on the open line. Hey, Gary, thanks a lot for calling. Oh, okay. All right, let's go to Tony. Sorry, Tony's next up on the line. Hey, Tony, go ahead. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Um, I got a few points here, and I also want uh, Rob's, uh, Rob's opinion on something because I've been looking at certain stuff online for, like, to improve the team. The, my first point is it seems like the last, like, I don't know, 10, 15 games, yeah, we're winning certain ones, like we're winning certain ones, but it seems like the, the team has no drive and doesn't even want to show up onto the ice. It's like, okay, we're here, you know, we're going to play, but we're not going to win. And the games that we do win, we barely even show up. Um, another one is I've noticed that when um, that for some reason Koskinen's game hasn't been the same since the Christmas break. He was doing just great before the before the Christmas break, and then it was that first game after that we put him in, and he was basically letting everything in. And my third one was Rob, if you were if it was you if you were the GM of the Oilers. What would you do to salvage what is left of this season? Well, I'm not sure there's a whole lot you can do as a general manager right now. Um, the Oilers are, you know, tight to the to the salary cap, so it's not like they can go out and find some big fish and bring them in because they can't afford to. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a whole lot on the roster that they can move and get something that they need back. When you're, when you're a team that's struggling, you usually have a lot of holes. So f- taking, trying to fill a, one of your holes by moving someone else is just going to create another hole. I don't know if there's any in-season moves that a general manager can do right now that can turn this in the right direction. I, I honestly believe it's the players they have to have to be better. And I... I to me, they are where they are, and that's exactly where I expected them to be. I, I think maybe the expectations were still a little too high for this team. I, I don't think they're as bad as they played tonight, but I think in the standing is where you would expect them. They're a team fighting for a playoff spot in, in the wild card race. I, they need some saves. They need some players to pick it up, pick it up and play better. They need Clefbaum to come back. They need their power play. I mean, there's so many things that we saw tonight that could be better, but I'm not sure... Uh, the GM, if you're GM for the day, there's anything that you could really do to change the fortunes. All right, we have Devin on the line as well. Hey, Devin, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, hey guys, how's it going tonight? Pretty good. Uh, I actually have a question. Do you guys think that uh, the team is, like, Hitchcock's game plan is no longer getting through to them anymore? Um, no, I don't believe that's it. I mean, if that's the problem, 
then you've got a problem with your players because this is the second coach they've had this year. The first one has got three or 400 wins in the National Hockey League and has had success and has a Stanley Cup ring. The second coach has 850 wins in the National Hockey League. He's had... He's got gold medals. He's got Stanley Cup rings. So if you're not listening to either one of those two coaches, well, then it's the player's problem, not the coach's. Devin, we're going to finish the play. We want to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental fast-track indoor karting. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. Fast-track karting, Edmonton.com. Cassian threw a man into the Oiler bench. He's still there. Finally climbing his way out is Jordan Martinook. And then a collision involving Cassian. All right, for finish the play, Devin, did Cassian get a penalty on that play? No, he didn't. Absolutely. Stay on the line. We'll put your name into the grand prize draw. Probably should have. Not for the hit. Perfectly <laughs> clean hit. Yeah. It was the four punches <laughs> down to keep the player on the floor in the, in the bench that probably should have been called, any of the four. Um, but, yeah, no, he did not get a call on that one. Actually, I thought Cassian played well today. I thought he was one of the few Oilers that actually did show spark from beginning to end. Oilers lose 7-4 to the Hurricanes. Let's go back down to the room. Here is head coach Ken Hitchcock. Cassian threw a man in the... Ken, uh, I guess maybe just start with that opening period and, and what you think happened to your team's game tonight. Well, I think it's, I think it's what's gone on lately. We held the fort for a little while, but we're, our 5-on-5 five five play isn't good enough. It's not close to... The, element, the elements that you need in your five-on-five five game to be successful in the National Hockey League. And we're, we're not good enough. We give up too many quality chances, too many pucks come back at us. And um, When you're not good five-on-five, five, you can live for a little while on your power play or you can live for a little while on one or two people coming through for you, but we're, we're, we're not playing well five-on-five five and it hurts us a lot. We had some stretches. But our inconsistent level and especially our inability to defend five on five, and I mean with the puck defending too, is not good enough to consistently win games against good teams. Adam Larson said after tonight that this is the worst hockey he's ever played in the NHL. He's extremely frustrated with where his game is at. What are you seeing that's, that's missing from his game compared to when he's on it? Well, I think there's, it's been going on for a little while. And, you know, we had a good pair there. And the one part of the pair went missing. And, and there's a lot of hesitation with Lars. There's a lot of hesitation with a lot of guys right now back there. And it affects... When you don't transition the puck, you don't play well five-on-five. Five. And we're not transitioning the puck very well. We're very slow, very methodical, very deliberate. And we get covered over. And that's exactly what happened in the first period today. They jammed us hard down the walls. We turned pucks over. And they beat us up the ice for a couple of goals. But they mostly jammed us down the wall and hemmed us in. And we were too slow moving the puck. We were too small and too slow on transition. And it's, uh, it's something moving forward we're going to have to fix. How exactly do you do that, Ken? Do you, uh, I mean, well, I think, we're talking personnel to start with. I think, Terry, we got two experienced defensemen that are, it's their turn to play. So that's Gravel and that's Petrovic. They got to play. And, and uh, they're experienced NHL players, and it's time for them to get in the lineup, and then we'll sort it out from there. That's number one. Number two is we, we, we have to get ourselves more organized uh, 
in our transition game. Our transition game is so slow right now and so deliberate that we just get covered over. So I think a lot of this is fixable, uh, but it quite frankly has been going on for a little while and it's something that we've got to get cleaned up. It's been, we just, between goals against and scoring chances and shots on goal, it's too high. And we're just, we're not, we're not built for the track meet. And today was just another track meet that was going back up and down the ice and, and we're not built that way. And we pay for it all the time. A coach in this league is hired basically to, you coach him up and uh, here's your team sort of thing. If you could sort of identify uh, some specific player type needs you need right now, uh, and could make those deals yourself, what would you make? Well, to me, I think what we're doing is we're not playing with the hockey sense that I think we have. And I, I think we have to raise our level of hockey sense. And, and what I mean by that is that we're making a lot of plays that come right back to us. And some of it's trying to do too much. Some of it's trying, like today, today was a perfect example of we were so slow moving the puck, it just kept coming back at us and coming back at us. And to me, we've got to raise our level of awareness in our relationships with each other on the ice. We had this going for a period of time. When the two defensemen went down, we held on for a little while, but now it's a lot of chaos back there. And it starts back there in our end. And if we clean it up, we'll get better quick because we are creating enough scoring chances. We are creating enough offense. The problem is we're not there long enough, five on five. And to me, this is the time of year, if you can kill penalties and you can play five on five, you can win every game. And we're not killing penalties and we're not playing good enough five on five and it costs us too many nights. And that's why, that's why we're a 500 team. We're a 500 team because we fix the problem and then it comes back and then we fix the problem and then it comes back. And that's, that's doesn't get you to be, you can't go on a run that way. If you're not good enough five on five, you can't go on a run. And we're not able to put ourselves on a run. We win two, lose two, uh, because we, we don't play well enough five on five. So do you leave, your goaltenders are left out hanging out to dry far too often where they have to make fantastic saves. I mean, you, was Cam's pull just a mercy pull when you're being outshot 15? To well, look at three of the goals today. Like, Cam was a mercy pull. But look at three of the goals today. Strictly one-on-one -on -one awareness. One-on-one -on -one awareness at the puck around the net area, the critical area. And we are watching the puck away from us and our awareness away, which is, to me, when you've got great awareness away from the puck, you're solid all the time. We're puck staring, we're watching, and we're paying for it. And the end of the game, if you don't have awareness away from the puck in your own zone, you pay dearly, and we're paying dearly right now. Okay, thanks. All right, there's Hitch. Oilers lose 7-4 to the Hurricanes. So talking about the defensive awareness and also talking about the inability to transition the puck, get it up ice quick. Well, it's just things that we've talked about over and over, and we talked about it a lot tonight. Hockey IQ. There was a lot of terrible reads tonight by the Edmonton Oilers defensively. Really bad. And when it talks about transition, uh, how many times tonight did we see the Carolina Hurricanes get a puck and immediately they're going north. 
and they're, they're, they're throwing it in an area. Not only are they going there, they're throwing it in an area and allowing their forwards to skate into it. Where the Oilers, they have to work so hard. I mean, you know, they have to come all the way back to their own zone. They pick it up. And it, another example is the Calgary Flames last night. They must have tried it 30 times where when the Calgary Flames defenseman got the puck, all three of their forwards took off. And they were at the far blue line, and their defensemen were making 70-foot passes because they've got good defensemen that can transition it well. Now, instead of facing a forecheck below the tops of the circles in their own zone, the Calgary Flames were now at the Oilers' blue line in a matter of two seconds. And the Oilers, really, they haven't shown the ability to do that. 7-4 Carolina wins. We have Kevin on the open line. Kevin, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How are you? Pretty good. Good, good. It's been a while since I've talked to you guys. Uh, got a couple of comments to make, and then I'm going to hang up and listen to the uh, the uh, answers here. Uh, first off, <clears throat> why is it that uh, Spooner and uh, Ty Rowdy don't seem to be getting a fair enough shake? And I want to just state for the record that uh, uh, Spooner comes to us after having, what was it, 41 points in 56 games last year. So he's able to produce, but he's just... For whatever reason, he can't, and he's not being given the opportunities. Uh, second off, do you think maybe it's time uh, for Talbot to be sent on a conditioning and a confidence-building stint and maybe call up Montoya for a game or two? And thirdly, uh, and this is a uh, comment uh, directed to Rob, because, I mean, you've played the game, you've played with some of the greats, and uh, you've played with some of the not-so-greats. Um, my opinion of Drysdale is... Uh, I don't understand. I know he's producing points, but I don't understand why he continues to be rewarded with time on McDavid's line when he doesn't seem to be too engaged or interested in running his own line. Perfect example would be Malkin and Crosby in Pittsburgh. So I'm just going to hang up now and let you guys uh, listen to the conversation. Okay, we'll go backwards first. So Dreisaitl is rewarded with playing with McDavid because he's the best player on the team, and McDavid is a better player when... Drysaddle's with him. I don't think you can compare Drysaddle to Melkin yet. Melkin's a three-time Stanley Cup winner, and it, I, I believe he's won the MVP in the National Hockey League. He's won the Conn Smythe. Drysaddle's not Melkin yet. Having said that, in in Pittsburgh, Melkin also has played the majority of his time the last number of years with Phil Kessel. The second line in Edmonton, they don't have a Phil Kessel. They don't have uh, anyone with a pedigree that shows that they can score offensively. And when Nugent Hopkins start, tries running the line, he's by himself most nights. So the Oilers have struggled to find wingers to play with whoever they put on their second line. Leon Dreisaitl is having an incredible year. He's having a career year. And if, if he can't run his own line, it's not because of Leon Dreisaitl not being able to do it. It's because they don't have the players that are capable of doing what Leon needs them to do or what the team needs them to do. As for what was the second... Uh, he asked about Spooner and Raddy. Spooner, I'd have Raddy in the lineup. I, I would. I like, I like Raddy. Hitch has a history with Raddy. Uh, he did not play him a lot when he had him in St. Louis. I, I've, I think Raddy, he would be in my lineup. I like what he brings. I don't think he's a consistent top six player, but I think he can give you a spot on time in the, in the top six. And when he's playing in the bottom six, I think he's a smart player. I'd have him in as for Spooner. Uh, Spooner has not shown much. Even I mean, he's got nice time when he first came here. He hasn't shown what they expected out of him. And he's honestly not a, a player that Hitch would fall in love with. 
I mean, Hitch likes skilled players, highly skilled players, but he also likes guys that do the little things right. And I don't know if Spooner has done that yet. Uh, Al Montoya hasn't played a game since November 29th. He's not. He's not well, coming. He's not, not coming up. You're not sending Talbot down, anyways. I mean, if if Talbot's not playing well, he'll be back up in Koskinen and will play. You're not bringing a goalie up for the minors and sending Talbot down on a conditioning thing. Tonight's game, at Cam Talbot did not make a save, but the Oilers were outshot 15 to three on home ice, and at one point they were outshot 11 to nothing. That's not a goaltender. That's a team. 7-4 Carolina wins. We have Phil standing by. Hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. Did we lose Phil? I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, I'm going to disagree with uh, a little bit of stuff here. Um, you know what? I listened to Inside Sports tonight. We had two experienced goaltenders, right? Mm-hmm. They said the same thing. We listened to Cam before the game. He said the same thing. You know what, guys? As a fan, I. you know how many times... I, we have seen Cam starting a game, the first shot on goal, within the first minute, we're behind one nothing. You know what? As a fan, too many times. You know what? His contract's just about over. Send him flipping burgers. So is it, So when they were outshot 11 nothing in the first seven minutes of the game, is that on Cam Talbot? You know what? We just played last night, okay? That, that, we're, on Cal- back, we're, we're on a back-to-back, okay? The Calgary, Flames la- Calgary Flames beat us last night. That was their back-to-back. Okay, well, the, the, but the Flames are a far better team. They've got way more depth than what we do, okay? And we, we, what we did is we played our 1B goaltender tonight, okay? And okay, but no, no. my question to you, though, the Oilers were outshot 11 nothing and 15-3. to And talking about back-to-back, the Oilers actually have done better on the second game of back-to-backs this year. They have a better record. So there's, you can't blame that on playing back-to-back. So, yeah, Cam Talbot needed to make a save, but... They were outshot 15-3 to on home ice against a team that's nine points out of a playoff spot. Is that on Cam Talbot? The shot of the game being let in. No, that's I understand that. That's the best that. way to take the wind out of your sails when you just come from a back-to-back on uh, an, emotional, an emotional game. Uh, the Battle of Alberta, you lost, you were outplayed, you come into the next game uh, hyped up as much as what you can, and the best way to take the wind out of your sails is to see that first goal come in, and then you're on your heels. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But if you're if you're a team, so that this team you're trying to say this team is so weak that if they give up a goal on the first shot, they're incapable of winning. How many times have we cheated? How many times have we no, seen okay, that first shot that, on the game? I, I said that I, I agree that Cam Talbot needs to make a save, but this game is not on Cam Talbot. They were it was 15 to three the shots on net. For the well, maybe if, we wouldn't have been, maybe if we wouldn't have been down one in the first minute. Well, the, okay, the in the, okay one in the first minute. In the first minute, whose fault was that goal? You know what? I didn't watch the game. I had listened to it on chat. Okay, but you know what? As I said before, how many times have we heard it in the past? Okay, but an oiler forward coming back left his man wide open in the slot. The guy walked down the slot. He was completely uncovered. The Oilers had men back, and they they missed their assignment. One of the Oilers' best players missed his assignment, so now he comes down the slot. So, I mean, it wasn't, Camp Talbot let it in, but it, he was not the first mistake made there. How many times have we heard that same story? Oh, well, How many so, times? Okay, so, as a fan, too many. 
too many, but so it's don't. You cannot put this game on Cam Talbot. You can't. Yeah, but I can put a whole bunch of. You put a series of them together, and you got a you got a problem. A hole that definitely is a hole that needs to be fixed. If, well, we, yeah. if, if this happens, if this happens twelve times out of eighty games, that's too many. So they brought in Koskinen, and Koskinen's been the starter, and they're still losing. If we were to start at Koskinen tonight, we wouldn't have lost this game. Really? Well, they, they, well, Koskinen is, what uh, is we'll he? We'll never know. We'll never Koskinen, know. You know what? We can't even, actually, we can't even trace. Koskinen, Koskinen lost the game tonight. Koskinen let in the first shot against Buffalo. But it and happened a lot last year to Talbot no, and Montoya and Brossois. Absolutely far too often. But this is this game is not on Cam Talbot. And actually, Cam Talbot didn't even well, take the loss in this game. Koskinen stunk. Every, everybody stunk. Koskinen took the loss both in this game. Both goalies played. They both stunk. All the players yeah, stunk. I agree. Everybody stunk. Yeah, no. They're, 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 there's issues. There's big issues. All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. Oilers lose 7-4 to the Hurricanes. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. 7-4 Carolina over the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Dreisaitl scoring twice, including his 100th NHL goal. Cassian getting one for Edmonton and Brandon Manning, his first one as an Oiler, as uh, the Oilers were uh, vastly outplayed through the first two periods. They fall back to 500 for the season, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We have Alex standing by. Hello, Alex. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, I guess I got a few things I'd like to comment on and uh, listen to uh, Hitchcock in his press conference there. And You know, when he says this team isn't good five on five, I have to laugh. So, in other words, when the national anthem is sung and before you drop the puck, I guess we already know it's not a good team. It's really, really sobering to hear him talk like that. We're not good five on five. Well, that's the bloody game, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I got to tell you something. Um, there's two players that come to mind, the best players I've ever seen who haven't won in the Stanley Cup. And I would say it was Boreas Salming and Daryl Sittler. And uh, guess what, Edmonton Oilers fans there who go pay the big bucks to go sit there. It was an honor. You know, way back when, when the Oilers actually had a franchise you could be proud of. And yes, they did want five Stanley Cups. But I got to tell you, as years go by, Connor McDavid is going to be the best of all time. He's never won a Stanley Cup. It won't be in Edmonton. I tell you that much, because you know down the road what's going to happen. There's a big stink around this franchise. And it starts with Sorelli, Bob Nicholson, and Mr. Cates. Mr. Cates, I tell you what, do you think I want to spend that kind of money to go see that just because I want to wear the orange and say I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan? Oh, forget it, man. It's a rip-off. It's a rip-off joint, man. That's the way I feel. I'm upset. Alex, are you a Edmonton Oilers fan? You're absolutely right. I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. I'm mad about it. You're absolutely I am. You know, my my younger brother and my, my dad have season tickets with three other guys. On a, I live in Penticton, Oklahoma Falls, actually, but I watch them all the time. And I used to live in Edmonton. I grew up in Fort McMurray. And I tell you, it just year after year, you know, we get the same excuses, same excuses. But it's really bad when the coach says we're not good five on five. So, in other words, before you drop the puck, we're, you know, that's what it is. Right, Everyone Hitch, knows. Hitch, Hitch isn't saying that they're destined to lose the game. He's saying that they're not playing well five on five, that he thinks they can play better. He's not throwing in the towel before the game starts. You understand that, right? 
It, but it is depressing to hear that, though, isn't well, it? Sure, yeah. Because that's the well, fact. He's, you he's know, and, but, the way he was playing, but he's, he's not saying we're automatically going to lose just because the game is starting. He's saying they have to play better five-on-five. Five. Sorry, I'm getting upset, but I phoned up about a month ago, and I said, Sorelli, you're fired. And you told me next time you said, when you talked to him, you tell him that. So it's passing along again for me, please. Thank you. Okay, Alex. Do you have that kind of power here? Reed, are you able to fire, hire, and fire guys? No. No? Could you get me a raise? No, no I definitely that. can't do that. <laughs> definitely can't do that. Oilers lose 7-4 to the Hurricanes. They are coached by Rod Brindamore. Here he is for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. I coach to just get everybody to dig in deep down Michael Ferlin and then come up with that it was real big. I mean, the start was obviously, you know, what we talked about doing, and uh, couldn't have went really any better. Uh, so you got to give the guys credit. 60-minute effort for the most part, and um, the effort was was high, and uh, you know, that's, and we deserve that game. With the last two games, when the first shot of the game goes in for you guys, is there kind of an exhale on the bench where you guys can just get back to playing your game, and not worrying about what happened? It's always nice to get ahead, right? You're not chasing the game, you're not having to open up your game and, and get up and get away from what you want to do, and um, so that's that was obviously why the start's so important. How big is it for Nino to, to jump on the board and get two right away in his second game? Well, I think anytime you come to a new team. And you want to contribute, and you want to show everybody that you're a player. And um, you know, he had a, after he got his couple, then he had a couple penalties, and he was, you know, he didn't feel like great about it. But uh, obviously, we need him to contribute that way. And Andre Svechnikov gets on the board and has a big game, his first three-point night. What do you love about how he just seems to keep sticking with it for you? Well, he's, you know, gotten better and better all year. He's had his ups and downs, and that's what you expect out of an 18-year-old. And you have to keep remember, remembering that. And but you can see that uh, he's he's confident out there. He wants the puck, and he's not afraid to make plays. And sometimes too many plays, but that's what we have to keep teaching him. And but uh, you know, obviously, again, everyone contributed, and he was one of them. All right, that's Rod Brindamore. His Hurricanes beat the Oilers tonight, seven four. Faceoff trivia: the winner, Terry. We had a football theme question since there were the two NFL playoff games today. Who was the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback when they won Super Bowl IV in 1970? It was Len Dawson. So Terry goes into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card brought to you by Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. AlpineCredits.ca. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer, back at 630Ched. 7-4 Hurricanes win it, presented by Osmond Auction. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Have a great night.